We are going to be in Acts 16 today. It's been my sense that um, we are in a uh, season of um, active work of the Holy Spirit. Um, as I've uh, reflected uh, back over the, my previous years of walking with Jesus, you know, there was uh, always a desire, I think, you know, and I think most of us as Christians have this desire to, to really, uh, you know, walk, you know, with the Spirit, you know, as Paul talks about, you know, that we would be able to walk with Him, right, and walk with the Spirit and be aware of the Spirit and, and live by the Spirit and all of this. And, and uh, um, but, my sense is that that those those moments where we really uh, see the spirit kind of involved in moving in very obvious ways in our life have been very few and far between. Um, now, now the tendency is, and and I we see this a lot. I think right now, as as the spirit begins to move more. Obviously, I think not just in our church, but in around the globe. Uh, there's a lot of people now that uh, that like to get up and talk about, you know, the reason that the Holy Spirit is moving more powerfully now is because we finally have kind of got it, um, or that we finally got to a point where you know we're mature enough for the Holy Spirit to finally use us. And I just reject that line of thinking outright, and maybe I'm wrong, but, but I, I just struggle, I just don't, I don't receive that. Uh, and, and so what happens because of this, this thinking, we look back in the past and we go, well, it's our fault. You know, if we would have just known more, if we would have just been a more, more faithful, if we would have just done, you know, this or that or whatever, if we would have believed differently, if we would have had more faith, then the Holy Spirit would always be acting like he is right now. And, and I'm sorry, but I, I just, you know, for me, and as your pastor of your church, uh, anybody that tells me that or begins to complain or, 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 or criticize past us in regards to this, I just like, stop it. This is not, this is not because of us. Uh, just like in, when, the first, when the church was first launched, you know, the Holy Spirit, yeah, it was new. It just kind of showed up, right, in a powerful way. Now, the Holy Spirit had moved in the past as well in the Old Testament, but it was maybe a different way and more specifically a one person at a time kind of thing. And, but in a corporate sense, this is the first time in Acts. And so we see this great move, and, and there's some that think, oh, that's how it should always be in the church. If the church was doing what it was supposed to be doing, we would always have these manifestations of the Spirit in power. But, but I don't think that's the way it works. The Holy Spirit manifests according to his will, not ours. It's not based on our righteousness. It's not based on our faithfulness. It's not based on us. It's based on him. Now, we certainly can do things to squelch the spirit. We can refuse to allow him to move and work through us. We can just be ignorant of the Holy Spirit and not even ask or think about it. Uh, but it, it, we, through our faithfulness, it is not our faithfulness, it's not our righteousness, it's not our goodness that 
opens up the floodgate for the Holy Spirit to work. The Holy Spirit has its own will. The Godhead has his will. And for whatever reason, I don't know, he has chosen this season to be a season when he is going to move more obviously, more fully. For, I feel like in my life, for decades, not just in my life, but I saw around Christian world, because the Holy Spirit wasn't working like it did in Acts, that uh, we settled into false manifestations of the Holy Spirit, but also into this kind of like spiritualizing our own ways to make them sound like they're more spirit involved, right? You know, so our own thinking, our own logic has been elevated to being spiritual. Now, it's not that God doesn't use logic, but we have, because the Holy Spirit wasn't manifesting much, we kind of got this, you know, kind of feeling, well, but, but, but in the first century, we see it move all the time, and so we got to see that in our life now, and so we create all of these things to make them spiritual in order to make ourselves feel like the Holy Spirit is moving more in our life. And we see this in extremes in the charismatic movement, which again, the Holy Spirit moves and, and there's giftings of the Spirit and those come and the Holy Spirit manifests. But, you know, sometimes we've, uh, you know, the charismatic or more Pentecostal of us, they, they like have to, every time they come to church, every time they have a worship service, they've got to have some kind of manifestation that's so amazing and so awesome. And so they're trying to spiritualize now manipulations, spiritualize now uh, our emotions, spiritualize again on the other side, the evangelical world, our logic Emotions are great. Having amazing worship services where the Holy Spirit does manifest himself is awesome. Having logic and thinking logically about things, scripturally, theologically about things, is great, it's beautiful, it's power, all things God's given us. And all things that he can use and will use to manifest his spirit. But I think we need to recognize that we have to let go of as I don't, I don't like using popular words but, or popular concepts, but, but I'm going to use it because it's the only thing coming to mind. We have to let go of the old wineskins of how we encountered Jesus and open up our, our lives and our eyes and our, and, our, and our minds to the Holy Spirit working differently than we've experienced him in the past. We all want to be spirit-led. We all want, I think, to walk by the spirit. But I, but I think the way we have learned to do it in the past actually has hindered the spirit or is hindering the spirit now. Let me say that. Because we're so stuck in the way that we've learned to walk with Jesus that we're not available for what he's doing now. I will say this too, I, I think for those of us maybe who um, are uncomfortable with the more uh, um, obvious manifestations of the Holy Spirit, things like tongues and healings and 
um, you know, other movements that, that we kind of like go, wow, uh, you know, just kind of like obvious um, in ways that, that make us feel uncomfortable. Uh, don't miss out because you're uncomfortable with it. You know, this is one of the things I feel like the Lord keeps pushing on me is like, you know, I've grown up in ev- evangelical, so theology and thinking and logic, you know, you know, uh, 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 perspectives, philosophy, those are important to me. And I just keep feeling like God is like, let go of those things. It's not that they're bad. Let go of those things and open yourself up to me moving in different ways. And, and, and I, and I, so I just want to encourage you if, if you have rejected or, or, or been really uncomfortable with opening yourself up to the Holy Spirit doing something brand new and really outside your comfort zone, then I just, just trust him. Like open your Open your heart up. Open your mind up. Don't, the reality, this is what I say. Again, the Holy Spirit is moving in, rare, in a rare way right now in our world. Don't miss it. Like, this is going to be amazing. We're going to, I think we got opportunities like first century church was having, right? You know, the Holy Spirit is going to pour out in similar ways. We're going to have people dreaming dreams, right? We're going to have people with visions, but we're going to have people coming to to Christ by the thousands. We're going to have great movements of the Holy Spirit where someone's going to get healed right in the moment. And then not like this little kind of small little healings. I had a little cough and now I feel better. Those are great healings. God does that. But big things, like really big things, like things that were like, that's a broken leg and that's not going to be fixed. And all of a sudden it's fixed, right? You know, so we have to, I think, open ourselves up to the possibility that God can do these things again. That the, what happened in the first century isn't just some rare thing that God never is going to do ever again, but actually it's something that he does in his timing, in his way, the way, you know, that when he says this is the time, this is the person to do it through, that he will do these things again. Yes, right. Are you willing? Are you open to it? Are you open to being spirit-led in that way? I think some in the church today are struggling because the Christian life that they have created is based on a season and an era of time where the Holy Spirit wasn't manifesting like it is now. And instead of being open to changing their Christian way of thinking, they're like, no, this is, they're glorifying it. No, this is the way God works. Instead of going, oh, oh, okay, God's going to do this now, right? Like, and, and so we glorify this old life that we've been living. We have to be open to the Holy Spirit moving in new ways, wonderful ways, powerful ways, in ways that make us uncomfortable, in ways that are way outside of our boxes, in ways that go against what we've, our long-held beliefs Go against, you know, the things that we've, you know, the conclusions that we've come to about how God works. In Acts 16, I see this amazing, like, chapter where, like, the Spirit is all over this, leading in so many different ways. And, and, and so as I, as I was preparing this week, I was like, you know, oh my gosh, there's like, over and over again, we see the Spirit leading, but on all of these different ways. And so I felt like, what a great opportunity for us to maybe just process through the different ways that the Holy Spirit will lead us and, and will manifest and the things that he'll do, like, in our life. 
like that maybe is outside of our boxes. And we'll start by reading, uh, we're going to read through the chapter, but we'll do it kind of just a little section by section at a time. Uh, so we'll start by actually in chapter 15 at the end, verse 36, and then we'll read into uh, uh, chapter 16 through verse 5 to start with. Um, and, then, uh, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll jump in here. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. The first way we see God, the Holy Spirit, lead is actually through our sin. This conflict with Paul and Barnabas over John, Mark. Right? I mean, a, a sharp dispute, right? I mean, uh, both of these like, guys I could see. I mean, you know, Barnabas, I think, you know, seems to have a little bit, you know, the, you know, the son of encouragement, right? He had to be a little bit kind of softer maybe, not quite as strong-willed. But Paul, I think, certainly is strong-willed, and he shows it again right here. You know, he's like, no, we're not taking that guy. He bailed out on us last time. I mean, he didn't even finish the mission. Why would we take him with us? He wasn't even with us when we were doing the work. So yeah, whatever, we're not doing it. Barnabas is like, no, this, this young man, he, we're going to continue to mentor him. He's, he's ready. He's made a mistake. He's moving on. Let's go. And, and, and so there's this split. But we see in the midst of this split, in the midst of this debate, in, in the midst of, I think, Paul's sin, we see that God is actually still able to lead him. You know, so often we can look at our sin and think that it totally disqualifies us from ever being used by God. We can, we can think that I've messed it up. Now, now we, we, have, this, we have this vision, I think, that is so, uh, so wrong of, of, uh, of our life, that there's like this one path that is God's will for our life. And that if we sin at any point, and at any point get outside of God's, you know, plan for us, we are off the path and can never return to it again. Like it's, it's just been messed up. You know, we're going to miss out on all the great things that God had for us. We're, we're just done. It's just finished. Oh my, no. Okay, God is sovereign. He saw us before we were even born, before we were ever even in the womb. He knew us. He knew all the things that we would do, all the decisions we make. He knew all of our sin. He has made a way, even with our sin, for his will to be done. And so we have to get away from this thinking that says, oh, no, I've sinned. Now God can't use me. Oh, no, I've sinned. Now I'm out of God's will. I'm never going to be blessed. I'm never going to be experienced. No, we just need, when we sin as Christians, we just repent and we move on. The life that we live is always spirit-led. Even in those moments when we fall, he's still there with us. He still continues to walk with us. 
But also we see just even in Paul's plans here that God leads. Man's plans, right? Proverbs 16, 9. You know, man plans his ways, right? But the Lord establishes his steps. Like, it's not wrong for us to make a plan. We should, you know, I think it's usually a good idea to make a plan. Most of the time, you want to have... Excuse me, you want to have some idea of where you're going and what you're going to do next, right? You know, and so God can use our plans. We see not only God blessing the, uh, or leading through the sin of Paul, but we see him leading through uh, Paul's plan by the fact that look at who he found in Lystra, Timothy. Timothy, this great young man who ends up becoming a very close partner with Paul. For the rest of his ministry, Paul sends him to churches, you know, to, to go and to, and to serve and to care and pastor different churches. I mean, he's, it, Paul, Timothy is this key figure in the life of Paul that God led him to, the Spirit led him to, out of Paul's sin, out of Paul's own personal planning. The Spirit indeed can lead through our sin and through our plans. We have to resist the temptation to think that those sins are not going to be used by God, but we also have to resist the temptation to think that all of our plans have to be spiritualized. I know that sometimes, you know, making a decision, we, uh, we, we, you know, we put together the, the list of, you know, the pros and the cons list, right? But then, you know, we as Christians, we're really spiritual. So we have the pros and cons list. And then we say, okay, God, you know, you tell us what you want. And we wait until he gives us that clear, you know, decision. Well, no matter what, if it my, my, lines up with our pros and cons list. And then we kind of, okay, now we know it's spiritual, right? As if the planning of just the pros and cons, can't that be God's will too? Can't, can't, can't God actually just work through our own planning and putting things together? I think he can. We don't have to every time hear a specific word from God, whether we should go this way or that way. Sometimes we just have to look and make the decision on our own, what seems right to us. In the next little portion, we see another way that the Spirit leads. In verse chapter, uh, verses 6 through 10, And they went through the region of uh, Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. First, we see that the Spirit is able to lead by throwing obstacles in our way. This is crazy that Paul's trying to go to Asia, but he can't. Holy Spirit prevents them from going to Asia, from going to Missy. Like, what is going, I mean, this is crazy, but God can do that, right? The Holy Spirit can step in and throw obstacles in our way to prevent us from going a certain direction. Uh, you know, we have to recognize this reason. You know, sometimes we, you know, I've heard many a, a young person be, feel called to the mission field. And then, uh, you know, there's all of these obstacles in their way. And they think that it's their job to tear down all the obstacles in order to get there. And it's not. If God has called you, he'll make a way, right? And so understanding when we're being spirit-led that sometimes he's going to throw obstacles in our path. We have made our plans. We've got our direction. We think, okay, this, is, this seems right and we're going to walk in it. And then we 
get partway down the path and all of a sudden there's a, there's a wall. What are we going to do? You know, do we spiritualize our plan and say, oh, well, no, this has got to be it. So I've got to tear down the wall. Or do we go, okay, God, what are you doing? Why is there this wall? You know, Paul doesn't fight it. He doesn't force his way into these, into these cities, right? He doesn't force his will to be done. He recognizes, okay, there's something going on here that I don't understand. And this is actually, I think, a, should be a great comfort to us. That we, if we're really seeking the Lord, if we're really seeking to, to follow the Spirit and to walk with the Spirit, that if we make a plan that is going in a direction that He doesn't want us to go, that He will throw up a roadblock. That He will throw in obstacles. And, and, and that is a sign for us to pay attention to. That doesn't mean that we necessarily are going to totally change, but it means that we at least need to wait and stop for a second and see what God's going to do. And then I love how he uh, goes on. I mean, so we have this resistance, this op these obstacles, this prevention of them going to these places. And then out of the blue, a vision, a dream. Like Paul like, has this vision of this guy in Macedonia, right? He's like, oh, oh my gosh, well, I guess God wants us to go there, right? And, and so they go and there's no obstacles and they get there and it happens, right? And, and this is another way where he can lead us. Does he lead you with dreams and visions? Has he led you with dreams and visions? Not all of us have that blessing. I think I've talked a couple times about my desire for the Lord to give me dreams and visions. I think that would be really cool. But, you know, most of my dreams and visions are in black and white with stick figures. So it's not very exciting. You know, you talk to Becky or someone else who has these amazing visions and pictures. You go, oh, my gosh, that's so detailed and so amazing, right? And not for me. But uh, uh, anyway, so can God, can God move and lead us through divisions? through visions. Yes, he can. Are we open to that? Or do we just automatically eliminate and, 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 and just say, no, that, that can't be it. We're just going to ignore those visions that come. Sometimes those visions, we can, we can think, you know, we can have a tendency to think that it's, you know, selfish of us, like, because we're in that vision, right? We can, we can think that, oh, you know, maybe he gives us a vision of something great that he wants to do in, through, in and through us, right? And we can think, oh, no, that can't be God because, you know, I, no, it's just all about me. And, I, I, you know, I just don't want to, you know, no, no, no. We need to allow, like, if he gives us a vision that we would walk in it. We should always keep it, be humble about it, but that we would seek to, you know, to follow the direction that his vision leads us. <clears throat> the next uh, way that we see the spirit lead is in 11 through 15. So read that now. So setting, setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to uh, Samothrace and the following day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. We sat down and spoke to the woman who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful in the Lord, come to my house and, say, and stay. And she prevailed upon us. I think we see two ways that, that the spirit leads in this. First of all, he leads through logic. 
So they get to this uh, city in Macedonia, right? And, and they're there and they kind of go, hey, you know, where will people gather? Oh, people usually gather out by the river because that's where they go and pray. So wait, let's go out and we can meet the people out there. So there's this kind of logical thinking that goes on, right? You know, they think, oh, there's going to be people at this prayer spot. And so let's go out to this prayer spot so that we can, you know, have that conversation. And, and, and again, this is how God can lead us, right? Through uh, the, the logical conclusions that we come to in our world, right? Whether it's, a, you know, decisions on, you know, where to move or where not to move or, or what school to go to or not go to, these kind of things, you know, the Lord can lead us through just logical conclusions that we come to. And so we should not ignore those things. We should be open to logic. We shouldn't just ignore logic unless the Holy Spirit tells us to ignore what seems to be logical for us. But also we see in this just the randomness of this woman, Lydia, that just happened to be there. Right, that God can actually work in the randomness, the the coincidences of our world. Right, you know, we uh, we all we uh, we tend to you know kind of just think, oh, this just happened. It just oh, I can't believe it, how how that worked out or how these things just came together. No, it's not. You know, it's not random. Right, it, you know, God understands that even what seems to be random for us is something that He has He has put in place. He has orchestrated. He is I- I- involved in it. And so we need to have this understanding that God. God works in the randomness of life. And so even if we think that there's nothing special going on, who knows, maybe in a moment there's, he's, he's, he's doing something powerful and good and beautiful. Now we get to uh, the last bit that uh, Grace was talking about, this uh, earthquake. And so we're going to read the next about 10 verses here uh, into this earthquake and see how the Lord leads in this. And starting in verse 16 of Acts 16. As we were going to the place of prayer, we, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having be, become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they inflicted, inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordered the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them in the inner prison and found Fasten their feet into the stocks. After midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Wow, crazy. Uh, two things I see here, first of all, is uh, emotions. Paul is annoyed. Have you ever been annoyed? <laughs> right? Like, do you ever think that God actually can use your annoyance for his glory? Right? That he can actually do his work 
through our emotions. Again, emotions, especially in the evangelical church and world, has gotten a lot of bad rap, like a lot of bad press on emotions. Like emotions are these horrible things you can't trust. You got to put them over there. Never, you know, don't let ever ever make any decisions based on emotions or whatever. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I think, you know, Paul like had, you know, this, you know, kind of freak out moment, like, and he turns around and says, in the name of Jesus, get out of here. Would you? Good grief. I'm tired of this. Right? You know, kind of thing. And God does something with that, right? And so I, I think we need to recognize that our emotions are important for us, that we, we need to not ignore them. We need to pay attention to them. Certainly, maybe we don't want to make all of our decisions based on them, but don't assume that because you're feeling some emotion, that that doesn't, that emotion isn't actually from God or, or going to be used by God to bring about actions that bring glory to his name. Right? So he can use our emotions to direct us and to guide us and to lead us. Right? Uh, you, know, you know, I even think just about the simply the, the idea that, you know, when, when he begins to use us in more obvious ways, right? When, you know, for me, one of the things uh, he, he uses like uh, weeping and tears sometimes to let me know that he has got something he's saying to me in the moment, right? And so sometimes I'll be praying for somebody. This is usually when it happens. I'll be praying for somebody and I'll just lay my hand on them and all of a sudden emotion will just come just dumping into me. And I've had that happen a couple times. I can't literally can't say a word for like five or 10 minutes because I'm just weeping. Uh, and, and as I do that, like God is, you know, speaking to me in that, right? He's using that emotional outburst to communicate something to me. And so we need to recognize that this is a way that he can guide and lead us. Sometimes it is the, the very emotion that we need to motivate us to do certain things. Sometimes we need that anger or that frustration with our sin in order to be motivated to stop doing it and to move past it and to, and to get beyond it. So emotions are a way that the Spirit can lead us. Are we open to listening to those emotions? Are we even aware of our emotions? Some of us have so uh, you know, uh, uh, pressed down are, are pushed away our emotions. We've become cold. We don't, we don't feel emotion much anymore. Uh, 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 why? We're, God has made us to be emotional beings. We're make, God has emotions. We're to have emotions as well. What does that look like? What does that feel like? Can we, can we get in touch with those things? Because they're a way that God can lead us. So, you know, if you begin to feel emotional, it doesn't mean that you need to run. It doesn't mean that you need to get away from there as soon as possible. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden you've become unspiritual spiritual and unable to think logically, no, maybe that emotion is exactly what you need in order to make an illogical uh, action, but an action that follows the Spirit's lead. We also see in this passage uh, praise. <laughs> God works and leads through praise, through worship. I, I, you know, I, worship is a, is for, is a I think such a dividing line or dividing point in our churches, uh, maybe it's not as much as it used to be, but I still think it's a huge, uh, it's like how you worship, like how worship is done, how it's led, like it, people choose churches on based on that, right? And, and, and so it's like uh, some people, and, and here's the deal, like some of us, some of us really love to worship and be, you know, just exuberant in worship and love to, you know, fly flags or raise our hands or clap or, or, or yell and scream or dance around whatever and, and there's more expressive forms of worship and then there's less expressive forms of worship right and and so when singing and praising is happening somebody some of us are just sitting there and just taking it in and reflecting on the words and enjoying that but there's this reality that 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 praise is a powerful way that God can lead us 
And I, I'm amazed at, at where Paul is in this, in the, at this point. I mean, think about what just happened. Like, first of all, he's in prison, okay? But he just got beat, right? So he comes into this place. He's sharing the gospel, right? He just delivers this young lady from some demon that's been, you know, just wreaking havoc in her life for so long, for years, right? And, and all those amazing things. And then he gets beaten. He gets thrown into prison. Like, I mean, he could be really depressed at this point. Like, you know, God, I thought you were doing the right thing. And maybe he's even second guessing. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't have got so annoyed with that gal. You know what I mean? Maybe I shouldn't have done, right? There's so many possibilities. We as human beings, like I know I probably would have been in that prison going, oh man, I messed up this time, right? Oh God, what am I doing? How do I do this? I felt like I was following you, but I guess I wasn't because look where I'm at now. No, 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 that's not Paul. Paul is inspired for praise. He just begins to, and maybe he does feel guilty. Or maybe he does feel, but he's like, you know what, God, I'm going to praise you anyway, right? And he begins to lift God's name on high. And I love how it says that the, the, the other prisoners are watching. And, and I think they're probably watching with their job open, right? Like they're going, what are these guys doing? You're in prison. Hello. Like you just got, I mean, look at your backs. They're like all just, you got bruises and cuts and you're bleeding. Like how in the world can you be praising God at this moment? And yet they are. And through that, God brings this earthquake and shakes everything. <laughs> Jail opens up. Their chains fall. It's, this is crazy. Unbelievable. Amazing and awesome thing. We need to be open to God leading and the Spirit leading us through emotions and, and through our praise in all circumstances. And then finally, in this, uh, to close out this chapter, we see in verse 27 to the end uh, a couple of other ways how God leads. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before him for them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come on, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly uncondemned. Men who are Roman citizens and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No. Let them come themselves and take us out. The police reported these words to the magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard and they were, that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited Lydia. And when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. Again, amazing. Your first thought, my first thought, the earthquake, the jail opens up, the chains fall off. I'm free. I'm out. See you guys later. God's got other things for me to do. But he doesn't take off. He stays there, right? And I think this is another way. And these last two, I think, are uh, 
can be so intangible and hard for us to, to really to grasp. But I think it's important for us to, 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 to pay attention to this and be open to it. First of all, we have to, you know, wait. We have to sometimes wait, right? Sometimes it looks like everything is clear. Everything is open for us to go. And we, and we just kind of blindly just walk. But you know, that's not how we walk by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit should be something that we're constantly in connection and communication with the Spirit, constantly listening and open. And even when things, you know, the, the clouds part, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's saying move right now, right? Sometimes there's something else. And so we have to also be listening for what he's saying into our minds. For whatever reason, Paul felt like, no, we need to stay. He didn't say, hey, all right, let's go, guys. Come on, I'll show you the way, right? No, he, just, he stayed. And then he sees this, you know, the jailer was about to take his life because if he didn't, the Rome, Rome would. I mean, this, that was the, you know, he lost all his prisoners. That's what you do with a jailer who loses all, all his prisoners break out. And, and so, but we see Paul wait and he sees this guy about to take his life and he saves his life. No, 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 don't do it. Don't do it. We're still here. It's okay. You're going you're gonna to be all right, right? And then he preaches the gospel. Uh, the, the, the jailer and his house come to the Lord. Amazing stuff. I imagine a bunch of those prisoners came to the Lord. Amazing. And then, you know, the magistrates say, okay, uh, well, let's, let's let him go, right? You know, and, and I think, you know, they kind of like, you know, last night was kind of a, you know, we kind of got it out of hand there a little bit. But, you know, okay, you guys are free to go. Just, you know, don't, don't do it anymore, whatever kind of thing. And, and then again, Paul, you know, I, again, I, I'd be like, oh, thank the Lord. We're out of here. See you later. I'm never coming back here again kind of thing. But no, Paul has this boldness, right? And, and again, it's not just because of him. I think it's the Holy Spirit like saying, no, no, no. You need, to, you, need to, you need to call out your citizenship here right now. You need to say, hey, no, no, you guys just beat a, a Roman citizen without any kind of conduct. There was no trial. There was no kind of, you can't do that. You need to come down here. You can't just like brush me out of the way, you know, just silently. You got to come. You better give me some, you know, uh, you know, apologize for what you've done and this kind of stuff. But here's what I think. It doesn't say this, but I think this also happened. He preached the gospel to him. I think they came and they saw what they had done. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry, Paul. I'm so sorry. And he's like, yeah, I know you're sorry, but here, Jesus, Jesus is the way. Let me tell you about this amazing guy and what he's done. And, and so I think, uh, you know, in this, we see this reality that we have, to, we have to be listening to what God is saying in our minds. Um, this, again, uh, uh, this has gotten a bad rap, I think, especially in the evangelical world sometimes, this, this, this idea that God can actually speak to our thoughts. That, that actually our thoughts can be manipulated and directed by God instead of just by ourselves, uh, and, and we struggle to like, oh, is that God saying that? Or is that thought, you know? And sometimes it's obvious, right? Sometimes we go, oh, yeah, that makes really, you know, I would have never come up with that idea. But other times it seems very subtle. Is God make, in, that, in that decision? Is God in that? Is he giving me this word? I know many times I've prayed for somebody in intercession, right? And, and certain thoughts come to me, and I'm like, is that you, God, or is that just me making that up, right? And there's this tension in it. But I think we have to understand that God does speak, and I, he speaks through our minds, right? He, he, he's able to, 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 to say things to us through our thoughts. If he can speak to us in dreams... He can speak to us through our thoughts as well. And, I, and one of the things that I'm learning to walk more and more in is in confidence that the thoughts that I have aren't all mine, right? That, that there are a lot of thoughts that he speaks that are from him. And for me to just follow that with boldness. I, I remember recently I, I, I prayed for a, a young lady, never met this gal before. 
I was at the hearth. I came and maybe I told the story. Maybe I didn't. I don't know. It needs to be told again anyway. But I get there and I'm meeting somebody else and, and she's meeting with this other gal who I've never met. And, and this gal says, you know, we, we meet and then they say, hey, why don't you sit down and pray for us? Pray with us, all right? I said, okay, I'll pray with you. So we sit down, and this young lady that I hadn't met, the only thing I know is she's about to go to India on mission. And so I sit down with them, and, and we begin to pray. And as soon as we begin to pray, I, like, literally, like, I get this thought in my head that there's a, there's a man that is going to be really important in this gal's life in India. And I was like, what? that's weird. Why am I thinking that? I mean, literally, immediately. And then he gives me a name. And I'm like... No, and the name is Charles. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. So, so, and I'm just like, and so we continue praying, and they pray, and they pray, and then I pray, and I don't say anything about Charles in my prayer. But afterwards, I just so like, I feel like the Lord's just like, and that morning he told me, hey, be more confident in walking in the things that you hear me say. And so I'm like, oh, okay, so I better try it. So I say to this lady, I don't know what this means. I don't know if it means anything. Maybe it's just my brain, but I just got to tell you this. When we first sat down, I said, this came to me, and there's this, this key person, I don't know why, but there's this man that's in India that, that either you're going to meet or you've already met, I don't know, but his name is Charles, and I don't know what that means, but I just want to say that out. And her draw drops, her jaw drops, and she goes, oh my gosh, when I was just back there visiting a couple of months ago, there was this man who was there who's a missionary, and his name is Charles. And I was with this other group that I was doing my mission work with, and we met Charles, and Charles had this other plan, and I just felt such compelling that I needed to go with him instead of my group, and so I did, and, and the Lord used it and blessed it in so many amazing ways. It was so awesome, and anyway, so I was just like, oh my gosh, so God can speak through our thoughts, right? Even though it seems crazy, even though it doesn't make sense, will we be open to that, that he could lead us through our thoughts? Now, uh, along this lines, oh man, maybe I'm not going to do that. I'm listening right now. <laughs> okay, worship team, why don't you come up, and, and I'll do this while the worship team comes up. In January, the Lord uh, woke me up in the middle of the night, and he gave me something um, to write that uh, has been very profound in my life. And, and at the time, again, I was wrestling with this idea of God speaking through our minds and our thoughts. And... Uh, and Ultimately, this, this writing that he gave me in the middle of the night, literally it was like 1.30 in the morning, uh, was, um, uh, has, has helped the, me to communicate this, the tension that's in it. And, and I've shared it with a couple other people. It was encouraging to them, so I'll share it with you. I hope it's encouraging to you, uh, but this is just a reality of, of uh, what we, uh, I, I think what we struggle with, with God speaking into our mind. Uh, and I will say this. Uh, I got up and, and I was frustrated with the Lord. <laughs> it's like, why? Like, cause he wouldn't tell me what to write. He just said, get up and write. I'm like, I don't want to get up. What do you want me to write about? And he wouldn't give me anything. And so I sit down at my, I finally get up and I sit down at my dining room table and I get my computer open and I, and, and I'm like, okay, what do you want me to write? And nothing. And so then I write kind of being snarky with the Lord. I write the first word waiting and then he launches the rest of this. So Waiting on Jesus is an interesting thing. Sometimes it's not waiting at all. The speed with which he reveals his will and the message he wants to give can come in a flash, in a moment, without any fanfare or without a second thought. Other times, however, it can come drawn out and clunky. It can be like labor, the mind of God expressed over time in pain 
in waves that you wish would either hurry up and, and come or just go away forever. His voice can come at inappropriate times, at times when we're busy doing other things, important other things, things that are essential and needed for our health and well-being. His voice can be shouted, although not in an audible sense, not that he can't speak audibly, just that he doesn't speak in such ways often. But it can come across as a shout in our mind. It can wake us up from slumber, roust us from our sleepy lives, shock us into attention. But, be, but of course, sometimes his voice comes in the softest tones imaginable, a mere whisper, less than a whisper, a subtle rustling of the leaves. There's no doubt that Jesus can even communicate without making a noise at all by simply causing the synapses of our brain to fire in the ways that they do in creating the simplest of thoughts. Like an emotion, it comes upon us, but we don't know from where it comes. It's not joy or sorrow, anger or bitterness, or even contentment or pleasure, but it is good and stirring. It inspires, it motivates, it burns, it sparks us into action. Ah, the deception of my own thoughts, clouding the voice of the Lord, how can anyone trust a thought that comes into their mind as being from the Lord? Word by word, it is gibberish, or even worse, it makes sense and thereby sends us in our way in a direction we're convinced is from the Lord. How many have walked to their destruction and to disaster using such means? Abram was called to leave his country, his family, and go to a land God would show him. Was that an audible voice or simply a thought like any human thinks? How deceiving our thoughts can be, thoughts of grandeur, longing to be something of importance. We conjure up our own thoughts and give credit to God for them so as to feel needed, special, noticed. How can God use such fickle means to communicate his will? Yet I know it to be true. It is proven in the life of countless believers throughout the generations, including giants of the faith like Abram and the lowly, such as myself. But how to discern, how to know, it seems so often, even with Abram, certainty doesn't come until after the step of faith. Words from the Father sound just like my own words. It is, only, it is often only in the effect of those words, only in the fruit that one is able to determine from what source the words came. So, do I speak out all the words I think, assuming that anyone could be his? Do I remain silent about every thought? knowing my tendency to deception. Oh Lord, I need your spirit to give me discernment to know what is of you and what is sparked by my own fears, sicknesses, and pride. Moreover, I need courage to take steps of faith, to communicate and act out the thoughts that you have given me. I need strength to trust you and fearlessness in being willing to look foolish and be wrong. Indeed, sometimes it is in the foolishness that my ability to discern is most finely tuned. I'm willing to be a fool. But Lord, it's not easy. With foolishness comes pain, not just for me, but for the ones who hear my foolishness. Yes, the pain can be good, but Lord, it's hard. I don't trust my thoughts are from you. I know too well my own pride. How many times have I thought you've given me a word, a prophecy, a direction, but it was not true. 
What do I do with this dilemma? How do I resolve the tension? How do I follow you and not my own ideas, my own thoughts? Teach me, Lord, to hear, to know, to trust, to put my faith in you. Help me to discern your voice from my own. Give me courage to be obedient, even when it'll make me look foolish. Build my trust that you even use my mistakes to bless others. Direct my path. Lead my life. Have your way and be glorified in and through me. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Will you stand? And let's continue to worship and open our hearts and our minds to the Lord this morning for whatever he may be saying to you today as we worship together.